Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Yes, we are, because that is the name of our show. Welcome. I am Sam DeLeviathan, and this is our Children of Erte After Show, where we let our heroes catch their proverbial breath for a week while they run out of air in-game. Don't worry. I'm sure it's fine. With me tonight are Alicia, Jen, and Adam. Because I can't let them have all the fun, I had to split the party, too. So thank you all for joining me. Please introduce yourselves, starting with Jen. Hello, I am Jen Kretschmer. You can find me on socials as at DreamWisp. You can find me streaming on Twitch as DreamWisp Jen. I do a bunch of the things, so find out more in the places where I talk about the things. <laughs> and I play Maeve Morgan Flynn, your friendly neighborhood troublemaker, who doesn't get an accent tonight because I'm not playing her. <laughs> Maeve Morgan Flynn. I can't do it. Maeve Morgan Flynn. <laughs> friendly neighborhood troublemaker. Ooh, I got an accent. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Fine. <laughs> All right, imitator. Who are you and what are you doing in this call? I'm Maeve Morgan Flint. No, um, I am actually <laughs> really, really bad. Sorry about that. I apologize to everyone involved, um, most of all myself. I am Adam Bradford. I am the CDO at Demi Plane. We have so many exciting things going on right now. We're working really, really hard on uh, character tools for the Pathfinder game, but then that is going to uh, move on to Avatar and Vampire and so many other games, games that we haven't even announced yet. So, uh, so many exciting things happening at Demi Plane. It is a joy and pleasure to come into the office office every day and I really love Tuesdays as the highlight of the week where I get to play with all of these wonderful people also some people that aren't with us tonight uh but uh I play Silas Jordan I guess we can just drop the Jordan at this point because if you're watching this you're probably pretty hardcore and mm -hmm. you you know won't be spoiled hopefully you're caught up on everything but Silas Sorrell who is your Dimensionally Displaced Magical Superfan. Is he named after the spice? I keep forgetting to ask you about the herb. <laughs> um, yeah, remains to be seen. Remains Fair to be enough. Seen. Yeah, we'll see. Well, with secrets of her own, Alicia, please introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. <laughs> My name is Alicia Marie, and you can find me on socials at Alicia Marie Body. I am a general just 
creative person. I'm a costumer. And um, one thing I want to mention, I, I've made a lot of costumes, costumes over the years, and I've gotten to make a lot of really great costumes that I love to wear for myself, for other people. But I'm actually getting the opportunity to collaborate with a company I love and make like a dream sort of costume, something I've been dreaming. So this is a really fun moment in time for me as a maker, because I'm getting to make my dream costume. I can't talk about it yet because everything oh. in life is NDA'd. Everything in life is NDA'd these days. But I'm in a very happy place, even though I look crazy right now. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, on this beautiful show with these amazing people, I play Drew Armstrong, attorney at law, and currently completely out of her mind. <laughs> Alicia, like, I just, I, I have to jump in real quick. So since you do so many things, and I see the things that happen on social media or whatever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe she got to do that. That is so cool. <laughs> like, can you be sure that whenever the thing that you just talked about actually happens, that you let me know? Because oh. I want to know what the thing is that has you same. that excited. Because okay. I would just assume it's all the things that you <laughs> It's all just the same thing. <laughs> well, I'll no, no I'm know. just saying like every, all of it looks exciting to me. So I want to know what it is that, that you're saying is a dream project. It's a dream. It's the dream like like character. Like we all have a bunch of characters we love. But there's one character that has just been in my mind for like a decade. And I'm actually getting to do it in a, like an official capacity. So it's like, <gasps> that's why I have to like, I have to do it justice. Got to do it justice. Awesome. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> so if you have not chemically adhered yourself to these people's socials, clearly you will be missing out. Stay tuned. <laughs> but before we get too far into their characters and players shenanigans, I have a waterproof whiteboard with today's sponsors. Yay. Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We are giving away codes and you can type bang codes in chat for a free Electrum chest in game. There's also Die Hard Dice, purveyors of clicky clacky math rocks, ideal <laughs> for failing wisdom saving throws and thereby becoming friends with your local Leviathan from the deep. Use code Airte at checkout for a 10% <laughs> discount. We will be doing a giveaway in chat during the stream. There's Sirenscape. It's not just for the Sirens of the Sea, but for you as well, because epic games require epic music and Hailspire. Now, I love theater of the mind, but my personal mind theater doesn't always have a table. I need to stop off at Mind Ikea sometime, and you need the table for the tabletop role-playing games. It's the rules. I didn't make the rules, <laughs> but... Enter Tailspire is a beautiful platform. It allows you and your friends to experience all that physicality and those aesthetics from the traditional miniatures while collaboratively world building from the digital realm and your pajama pants. Oh yes, enjoy your table inside your computer, on your table, Tailspire. <laughs> beautiful way to play pen and paper RPGs online and we will be giving away five codes for Tailspire that can be redeemed via Steam. Ooh. And with those pre-dive checklist items out of the way, on with our show with one reminder that you too can ask our guests questions like, how do I poke evolve from land thief to water thief? <laughs> By asking your question with question in all caps in chat. But of course I get the first question. And so I will ask all of you, because last time 
on the Airte, I got to talk to Hope and Lauren about their marine backgrounds as your party has engaged in this extended scuba adventure that has felt like a gift to me personally, Sam DeLev. Now, as I recall, we have at least one marine nerd in this group. Uh, <laughs> though I don't know the specifics just yet, so I would love to go around and find out from all of you as players what your relationship is to the sea, to diving, to marine life as you have spent a fair chunk of time just really living in it. And for just, just randomness sake, uh, Jen, let's start with you. <laughs> just randomness. Uh, yes. So I uh, was very seriously exploring a career in marine biology. Um, I dove with sharks. I studied tide pools. I was in possibly my nerdiest iteration, the captain of my high school ocean bowl team. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's real. Um, <laughs> in case I ever needed to like have my nerd cred and lay it on the table. You're welcome, internet. You now know my deep dark secrets. <laughs> secrets of the depths. Um, yes, I competed in a in the National Ocean Sciences Bowl as the team captain. Um, uh, and also, I have a hashtag I, I do on Twitter a lot uh, called the Aquatic Feywild, which is um, my version of the Feywild that is a an aquatic Feywild. Go figure. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge marine biology nerd. And if you want to see it in action, please check out Gale's song, also featuring one Sam DeLeff. Uh, just just one, in, in possibly in a few forms, but but one, one Sam. <laughs> um, uh, because my entire character there was based on marine biology nerdery, like the mantis shrimp punch mm -hmm. that can have the force of multiple nuclear explosions. Um, it's a real <laughs> thing. Science is amazing. Little teeny mantis shrimp, big punch. Um, yeah, so so I happen to kind of be into aquatic nerd stuff a little, but uh, maybe jumped up and down with joy in my heart when I found out we were going underwater. <laughs> um, but uh, Maeve, not so much. Mm -hmm. I don't think. She's a land nerd. <laughs> I mean, she's also a thief. We've pretty much established that. So. Apparently. Oh, I yes. think nerd is not necessarily a label that, that would, eh, maybe, but, but I think Maeve certainly does not have the degree of weird aquatic nerdery that I have. Um, uh, she's still try trying really hard to be cool uh, <laughs> underwater. But she'll get there. She'll no she'll no ocean sciences bowl for her? No ocean sciences. Uh, I mean, maybe a bowl that she took with her to pour on someone's head or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have a feeling if Maeve had a bowl of liquid, that's what would end up happening uh, <sighs> at some point. Adam, what about Silas? Uh, marine life, terrific or terrifying? Uh, for Silas, he doesn't like it a lot. Um, Adam, um, I was eight when The Little Mermaid came out. And oh. I literally sang under the sea. Like, I 
went all in on, you know, underwater because I think, you know, it was around that time I started, um, you know, exploring the final frontier um, in, in space with Star Trek. And there was just something so appealing. So, so I did, I did not approach it from a scientific angle at all, though. It was all just almost just that, you know, story angle or something of, of just being fascinated with uh, what was going on down there. And then I will say when I was in the third or fourth grade, yeah, I guess it would have been right around there. I um, really got uh, just completely obsessed with Orcanus Orcas. Uh, and uh, so I loved killer whales. And I actually uh, was making comic books back then, uh, you know, drawing and, and scripting. And uh, we went to the uh, school board one day and photocopied 800 pieces of paper that we folded into comic books and everything. But, uh, but with that, um, I had a character called Blackfish because that's a nickname for killer whales. And, uh, and, and this was before I ever knew about characters that, uh, you know, like Orca in, in DC Comics. Uh, but it was uh, kind of a mutant because I was in Ninja Turtles, too. So it was a mutant Orca that, you know, had powers. And the comic was actually kind of, uh, you know, fairly comedic with a little bit of a dark streak for an eight uh, or nine year old. Um, so, so very similar to, to Ninja Turtles, but, uh, but yeah, so I was, I definitely went through a very big phase there. And then I have to admit that any time that I have any excuse to actually kind of revisit anything like that, um, I am going to take it almost immediately. Uh, so yeah, I'm fascinated with sea life and, but definitely not the science of it. I'm more of a, uh, you know, just, uh, uh enjoy it and experience it. Adam, a story guy. I, I never would have guessed. You know, you could you could maybe do a little bit of something with that. I I, I sense Perhaps. a lot of potential in you. Perhaps one day. I mean, I do like science, though. There are just other things that I care about with science. So I just want to you know, clarify that part. Hmm. We'll have to talk later. But first, I want to hear from Alicia Marie. Tell me about your aquatic feelings. Okay, I have, a, I have a three pronged, like a trident sort of involvement with like oceanic type things. Number one, I think that James Cameron um, traumatized a generation <laughs> of <laughs> 80s kids, 80s and 90s kids with the abyss. <laughs> okay. So good. Okay, yeah, it's very good. This is where, yeah. this is why we have to. <laughs> yeah. Number one, um, number two, okay, so I used to hold, and we're not going to cover this, but I used to hold like Mensa meetups at my house to specifically discuss science things with other people. And my science is not of the sea, I'm neuroscience, but there were a few, like a couple of marine uh, biologists and uh, uh, in my little group of friends, and they would share stories of there, and they just continued to scare the hell out of me with it. One of them had been bitten by a shark before, and I was like, mm, yeah, never, never swimming ever again. Not even in a pool. I'm not swimming anywhere. <laughs> um, but thirdly, back when I used to be a model, I, the company where a magazine like flew me to Australia for the shoot, and I remember I was like in the water, and I was, you know, in my like bikini, like all like 20-something years old. Like, my God. And then I remember at one point the photographer said, can you move like five feet to your right. And he's like, not backwards, just straight to your right. And I was like, okay. So I moved and he's like, just, and the assistant was like, 
this to me. So I moved over to the right and I was like, okay. Some great pictures came out of it. At the end of the shoot, though, he's like, now just move straight forward. Just come this short, straight forward out of the water. And I was like, okay. I get out of the water. He goes, come here. And he had this really strong, like what I guess is like a country Australian accent. I think there's a country Australian accent and there's a high, I don't know, but they told me he has a very bogan accent. I don't know what that means. So, you know, so I turn around and he goes, you see that thing out there in the water? And I was like, someone left like a blue inner tube in the water or something. It was like, a, like an inner tube. Like we have those big donuts. And he goes, yeah, no, that's a jellyfish. And I didn't want you to get anywhere near it. I was like, excuse me? But apparently they're used to swimming around things that could kill them. So they're like, oh yeah, just move over five feet. Are you, because if he had told me that was in the water when I was in the water, I never would get back in there again. They'd have to do all their pictures in the parking lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. They had That's to build funny. an ocean set. <laughs> like here we are, model Alicia Marie in the uh, beach parking lot. Bathtub. Looking great. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Those are my experiences. Mm. You all have the best backstories ever, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find y'all and talk about your sciences sometime. Yay! You know, all there's the no science. escape. All the science. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, Alicia, since we're talking, I do have to congratulate you, you on your prodigious wisdom saving throws in the face of danger. You have this talent for rolling badly at the absolute best times. <laughs> and it's given us this delightful opportunity to see one of our most skeptical characters now enthusiastically embracing the fathomless depths. So can you tell us a little bit of what it's been like to put Farouz on the edge of danger for once? You know, uh, here's the thing. Okay, so one of the things I've, I've learned about being role player and playing uh, dice games is that, okay, so first we get to tell an amazing story with a character that you developed yourself and you have all, when you develop a character, you have all these ideas of what your character is going to do and accomplish in this adventure. Yo, your dice has another idea. And it says, oh, really? That's cute. When you have all these ideas, I mean, in games, I've lost eyes in games. <laughs> I've been, like, I've lost all my money and had to live, like, in, a, in an abandoned school bus once. Like, I've had a bunch of amazing things happen in RPG games with the dice just deciding to tell a different story than I intended. With this one, that's exactly happening. I have <laughs> these, I, I mean, I have, like, Fruz's, like, like exactly like who she is, like the core Feruza. Because the dice are, is actually forcing me to tell another story um, than one that I intended for her. It's it's weird because what it's doing is it's allowing me to like sort of develop her personality out, like fully flesh it out and think like, okay, if this person was faced with this, what could be happening in, inside of her that's causing her to make these these difficult or just completely antithetical decisions. Um, what's interesting is it's actually, it kind of makes, it can make a little sense in a way because we're with each story, each like story arc you have for your character, it comes full circle to completion. And then you start another one. And that's how you tell like a story that lasts like years and years and years. Um, so this allows me to sort of, I guess, 
bring Feruza to this point where she is starting to realize that this, yes, this is really actually happening. And you can choose to go one way where you just completely keep pushing against it or another where you say, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do and it's where I'm supposed to go. And let me see if I can do this and to believe in what you, you know, trust yourself. But you can, in that, you can make the wrong decisions too. So I think that's where she is. Look, I'm just playing it as it goes because my roles are ridiculous. Like a two and a three. I mean, it's just, you you have to thank your dice from <laughs> me and the rest of the audience. It is, it they're, they're doing the Porgs work out here. I have no, I'm like, what did I do in a past life for my dice to come at me like this? They're coming for me. People on, are on social media like, wow, your dice, not even dice jail. It's like the dice incinerator. I'm like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so perfect, though, because without that, we wouldn't have had some really lovely story beats for you to fold these seemingly incongruous choices into the character. I remember in the first meeting, pointed out that one of the reasons Furza is so vulnerable to this very, very large shadow being, I've yet to do the math, but I really want to figure out how long 10 seconds from five feet away uh, is. Uh, but one of the reasons she's so vulnerable to the being is it reminds her of her own sense of separation as a foster child. Can you unpack some of that for us a little bit of what she has been going through? Does she see herself in the very large shadow? Well, okay, so here's the thing, um, without revealing too much about, because I mean, I all of this is for all of our characters, is meant to just sort of unfold as, as Deb's story unfolds with each other. Um, but I mean, we all know that Feruza is, is a child of, of adoption. And we I think most people remember why like her parents just left her one day. There's a, there's a whole thing sort of behind that but as many children who are from um, adoption or from foster situations, they some of them do carry with them that that sort of abandonment. Some sometimes um, sometimes it can manifest itself as like overly over attachment types needy, and then others are fully detached. Like make it's very difficult to make connections with them. So it sort of depends. Like sort of depends on how it manifests itself, how the feelings sort of end up manifesting manifesting themselves in that in that person. For Feruza, it's it's definitely it's extreme sort of this with people. So to sort of backtrack a little bit with these people in this group, she feels incredibly attached to, but it's still hard for her hard for her to show it. But she's extremely attached to these, you know, these people in, in this group, they're like her, you know, like her family. She's, um, so she, there's a part of her that wants to make sure that they're protected. But then another part of her that's like, um, I, she has something to prove. She has something to prove. She comes across, comes upon this, um, this big shadowy creature that is um, telling her, come with me, I'm your friend. I think that she is always, without realizing it, looking for a connection, you know, look, looking, looking for answers. Um, and since they're in a place where like anything can happen, 
and they're all, you know, something, things are just like magical and mystical. And she's starting to, to be affected by where they are. And it's, it's just where she, I don't know, like the way, like I, I try to think of myself whenever I'm playing her, I try to think of it as, okay, yes, she's a human who's actually going through these things. She's actually feeling these things and seeing these things. And right now she's, um, there's a level, and I don't want to explain it, but there's a level of comfort for whatever reason she feels with this shadow. And um, Deb is a great DM because what she does is she's like, this is what just happened in the show. I'm not going to tell you much about it, but you're allowed to role play it how you feel. Have fun. And we're like, huh? And I know that <laughs> Adam went through it with his character. So it's, she kind of lets you play it how you want to play it. So I've sort of had these little like, like, you know, when you, you have a, you have your character sort of bored out in your head. I have, if this happens, this will happen. If this happens, this will happen. But you often end up doing this with it. So for Farouz, I have a bunch of, I guess I call them data points for what will happen if this happens and that happens to actually allow me to tell her story the way I want to tell it, which is definitely, I can tell you this, a love letter to adoptive parents. I wasn't adopted, but I do have friends who were adopted. And I know the foster care situation in this state and in the country in general. And I tend to, I tend to have a really, really, um, I don't know, a sort of, I don't know, feeling about adoptive parents. So that's what this is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of all the places for that theme to come to the fore, it was a particularly delightful moment. But you you raised it, so I'm going to kick it over uh, to our others. I'm not sick. I'm not blaming y'all's dice. We can't all have Alicia's <laughs> dice. But do you, do either of you feel like you've gotten swerved on this <laughs> game? How have your character have the characters been roughly? what you've been expecting or, or have some of those twists and turns uh, brought you somewhere unexpected. Adam? Went to me. I was going to let Jen go first um, to give myself time to think. No, um, the, um, yeah, I, you know, I think that um, for me, it really does come back to just thinking about motivation. And so I can definitely say that for Silas, uh, discrete events have happened that I never thought would actually happen, but uh, the motivation that the character has is consistent and has been consistent, you know, from, from the beginning. And so I think that uh, that's, what's so great about these types of games. And it's something I've talked about before when I run games that, you know, just because an NPC is off uh, camera or, you know, out of a session doesn't mean that, they're not still operating in some way and executing whatever their, their motivations are. And so uh, when I'm playing a character, I think about it that way too. And so Silas's motivations, um, I won't say that they haven't changed. Um, they probably have changed at this point, but that was all part of the plan that, that, that they would change over time. And so uh, no, no swerves or, or I, I can't remember what you just said, but I liked it. Um, was it swerve? What did you say? It was, yeah. Swerved Swerve. on. Okay, yeah, swerved yeah. on, swerved on, I like it. Um, so no swerves from that perspective, but I definitely have had several things happen that I was not expecting to happen when they did, how they did, where they did, um, and, and all of that. And I think that that's just where, again, working with Deb is so great on so many levels, but 
one of the things that I think that she does really, really well is, um, as Alicia was saying, gives you space to breathe with how you're, you're playing the character, but then she is really just clear and concise about where the, the guideposts are about like, you know, this is, this is the thing that is going to happen. Um, And a lot of that does happen off, uh, off camera, out of session. Um, And, and it's never, uh, you know, staging anything. It's more just saying that like, Hey, this happened to you. (laughs) And as a result, this is, these are your new circumstances. And so therefore, you know, you, you can, can act within that. And so uh, again, gives great freedom there, but I think that that's where a lot of the surprising things have come up. So I think most recently with Steve, after we departed the, uh, the ghost town or zombie town, um, after we got out of there and Steve was left behind um, you know, one of the things that I had spoken to her about uh, just briefly out of session was that, uh, you know, Steve and Silas came to some kind of understanding um, about some of the uh, bluntness that that Silas had with him, you know, a little bit before that. Uh, and, uh, and so I think that, you know, just the way that she explained that, like, yes, you had that moment, uh, you know, and I'll do a callback to it. So then I think that uh, when Silas was looking for Steve and then she, uh, you know, puts a fox out there, pretty much a given. I'll go on and tell the audience if there's a fox, Silas is probably doing something. Um, and uh, and so uh, follows that and, and turned it into what I thought was a really, really great moment that also kind of cleared the way for Silas to, to shake the funk um, that, that he was in. And, uh, and so again, like uh, this is the reason we play these games is because that's all improvised. You have these super broad strokes of of what you think might happen, but then filling in all the details and, you know, inking the pencils and coloring the inks, uh, you know, like as you start to get into those layers of details and the specificity around what happens, uh, it, it, playing with these people and, and this group and, and with Deborah running this uh, it, it's really a special experience because you can end up with some very unexpected things that feel like they were scripted and that they could belong in, you know, some kind of medium out there that, that isn't playing a game like this. So chat, you all heard it first. The swerves were expected. Silas's Spider-Man three moment was nigh inevitable again. Loved the eyeliner, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. But Jen, has Maeve been going the way you thought? Um, in some ways, yes. But in a lot of ways, uh, there were a lot of things that when we were building Maeve out, um, and Deb and I were in, in conversation about Maeve, there were a number of things where I said, this is something I'm interested in doing, but also it was something that I basically would hand off um, because it was open to whatever, however Deb wanted to implement that thing or create that thing or whoever she wanted to have, you know, tweaking things on that thing. I'm being vague, sorry. Um, But, you know, that stuff I really wanted to leave out so there's stuff that hasn't yet i think 
necessarily i feel like a lot of maves swerving some has happened but i think a lot more is to come um because we haven't really gotten into those those pieces yet um and i know nothing about what's coming and that is both a very exciting and very terrifying feeling and and like these folks said you know you build a character but if you come in with your expectations and you have your spreadsheet of like level one to 20, every level, what you're going to do and how you, you're not adjusting to the world of the story and you're not letting the things happening in the game and in the story and with other people, the things you're learning, the experiences you're having as a character affect you. Um, and I think that that's, for me, what's really amazing about this as a, as a storytelling form is letting the story and your colleagues and yourself uh, surprise each other and yourself. Um, so yeah, that, that I think is, I, there are certainly things that I didn't expect. I mean, you can't anticipate what's happening, but um, I, I also am the only one here who hasn't had the, the, experience of 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 the deb email surprise <laughs> um uh from from whatever because you make all your saves <laughs> i haven't made any yeah, of the saves i know so we don't know yet if <laughs> i make the saves i just, just haven't even we just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time <laughs> for, for Ruza and silas and i will say i think Maeve is as much as she presents herself as not caring or not being afraid um i think she is getting more confident so i think she is starting to move from the back lines more forward and so i think the likelihood of me getting myself into into stickier situations is is certainly more likely on the horizon than it than it was in the rear view Creating more opportunities for opportunities. your dice to horrify you and delight me. I appreciate yeah. it. Exactly. You're welcome. It's a it's a gift specifically to you, Sam DeLev. We, we talk about it before gift. every single episode. How can we prepare <laughs> the best gifts? What what can our offerings be to one Sam DeLev? You're too good to me. You're too good to me. And indeed, I get some lovely fan service from y'all. Uh, Jen, out of a couple of episodes ago, we got a lovely scene on watch from our professional land thief and our, um, I kind of want to say enthusiastic amateur. Um, that really felt like a turning point in hey, y'all's relationship. Silas is not an amateur. Because <laughs> I know that's the what Navy you is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But seriously, y'all have come such a long it. way from that early hat theft to now this like, so what's the what's the best thing you well, stole? What has this arc felt like for y'all as players? Well, here's my favorite thing about that is in my head, even though it's a candy bar, in my imagination, the process to get there was like mission impossible. <laughs> yeah lasers the most complicated thing and Maeve would be like oh yeah I stole a candy bar 
but it was this whole incredibly involved like that Strung was up from in, the ceiling with a jump yeah. rope. Yeah. Well, in my yeah. head, it was probably at like the general's <laughs> office, and I should not have been in there. Like, <laughs> nice. yeah, like like a really way beyond anything I should have been doing. So that that was all happening in my head as we were talking, and I was realizing the discrepancy of what. Maeve would say and what I was oh, actually imagining the flashback would look like to that circumstance mm -hmm. because for Maeve it's all about the challenge and I think hearing about Silas's choice and and that specific question um really yeah I think it really was a turning point because there was this mutual recognition of enjoying the challenge of it. Um, even if the result and, and what you do with the result of that challenge is different. I think we have a little bit of the same, like kind of <laughs> attitude. Um, for, for what it's worth, Silas absolutely um, understood that there was far more to the, the candy bar and, you know, was envisioning, you know, hanging from jump ropes, uh, on, on the ceiling. <laughs> so, you know, uh, can't, can't, uh, you know, uh, he, he's not telegraphing his thoughts, um, at this point anyway. Um, and, uh, so I'll go on and share that, that he felt that way after, after hearing that. Oh, good. I'm so glad it, it, it communicated. <laughs> well, okay. We heard your character's opinions, but real, real quick, I want to get yours as people. Do you read? the very rare valuable comic, like the first detective comics appearance of Batman, or do you just get the digital copy and keep the archival version preserved? Yeah, me, me absolutely. Um, I am going to, I am going to use whichever is the most accessible or <laughs> um, convenient when it comes to the everyday use. And so when it comes to comics, that's digital. I have an iPad that mm -hmm. I read all of my comics on. I still collect comics behind these shelves here. I've got mm -hmm. stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes, um, but um, where, you know, with, with lots and lots of treasures in there. But, um, but yeah, I would, I definitely like to preserve legacy or vintage things. And so in that case, there's no way I would read that. I would absolutely pick up the digital copy. Now, when it comes to toys, um, I, I will sometimes leave things in the box. I often buy two copies of something to leave one in the box and play with the other. Um, and so, uh, so that's, uh, that part of Silas is very informed by the way that Adam behaves in real life. Right. I'm exactly the same way. I'm thinking about the fact that I have something like five copies of my favorite graphic novel. Mm -hmm. um, one, one that's the, you know, collector's edition to save one. That's the, the weeklies that I picked up one. That's the, the, um, the trade paperback, or I probably have two copies or three copies of the trade paperback. So I can give one to whoever wants to read it. Yeah. You know, yeah, so you can borrow it. Sure. Never loan a book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so. I've learned that the hard way. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Have I ever, but yeah. So th that's, that's me with, with that stuff is yeah. If I, if I can get two copies, one will go up for storage, but if I can't get two copies, yeah, I'm going to read it because these things are meant to be enjoyed and 
it's they're not paintings you know mm -hmm. they're not they're not something where you have to put it behind glass and just admire from afar you can't mm. a comic book you gotta you gotta open it to read it so yeah and 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 i will i i want to clarify that if digital wasn't so accessible yeah. i w there is no way i would leave something on a wall unread so so i want to yeah. i want to make sure that's really really clear um that mm -hmm. that yeah it's it's definitely about experiencing the art i am just very appreciative that we have so many other ways to uh yeah. you know, experience that art now Agreed. i remember when i was a kid and i was looking at spinner racks and you know trying to figure out which uh you know two mm -hmm. comics i could get with my three dollars or whatever <laughs> um, for, for, for that month um that you know i had to be really choosy about things and then my kids live with a cornucopia of anything that they would ever want to read. And so again, that accessibility for just being able to appreciate the art form. Mm -hmm. I love it, love it, love it. But, um, but I'm definitely with Jen there that if, you know, it was a situation where I could preserve something for the sake of preserving it, no way. Like, like yeah. it's definitely intended to be read. Yep. What they both said. I agree with everything. I mean, I am Marvel Unlimited, so I have everything on my <laughs> digital. Yeah. Uh, my mother is the one who was a comic book collector, so she has more stuff than I do. She has way, she has a lot more than I That's do. Awesome. And it's, yeah, it's all. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> so it's all, yeah, she's the one who has everything behind plexiglass and stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't, I was like, crease the comic book? No. What are we, heathens? <laughs> I wanted to mention, I noticed behind Adams, I think it's Tariel's sword. I know your background's sort of like fashionably blurry, but I just want to mention, <laughs> yeah. I always see the sword and I'm always like, yes, Diablo. That, that's yes. me when I don't have contacts or glasses, like fashionably blurry. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, we can, Fashion. you know, avoid a copyright strike there, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's- Now uh, Adam is fashionably blurry. Uh -uh. <laughs> Seeing is so out of fashion. I've got many fake swords. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just a couple of them. But Alicia, I don't want to leave you or Feruza out of talking about treasures. And indeed, uh, we had a lovely question from Maverick2 in chat as to whether Feruza would consider upgrading her comfort axe. As a reminder, that's the thing you don't have with you right now in the middle of danger. Um, and if so, what that upgrade might be that one might wish one had, if one had any concerns about this lovely shadow friend, which of course you do not. Oh, you mean, do you mean the axe? The axe. How would oh, you upgrade it? How would you buff the beautiful comfort axe, if at all? Ooh, oh no, this is this is a size thing, okay? It's all about size. The bigger the axe, the bigger the swing, the bigger the hit, the bigger the effect. The axe has specialties that will come, child. Wait. But I think she has she has it on her now. She didn't have it on her first trip because I rolled bad and I rolled like off camera. I sort of rolled to see if she remembered her axe and she didn't. But this time she did, so she has it. There we go. All but right. the axe has not revealed what it's what it's capable of doing just yet. I would be but terrified yeah. to bring my axe into the middle <laughs> of the ocean because if you drop it, that's it. It's that's over. It. It's over. <sighs> Terrifying. Into the depths. Mm -hmm. Joins the wreckage of the Polaris. 
What are they doing? I mean, the way Feruza is kind of swimming around with whatever this thing is, she might be doing that anyway. Cut your air hose. Oh, so scary. And see, this is what it is. Like, we absolutely know Deb as a storyteller is also like, this is how this is what's happening. Like you think that, that was that we we can we can come up with a terrible outcomes. Yeah. Deb will come up with things like ten times worse and then yeah. make them pay off in the best way. Yes, yes, exactly. I have complete respect in general. She never ceases to like surprise us as as players. Like, wait, what just happened? So when you roll, especially low, the way that I do a lot of the times. I'm like, and I see everybody's face. All the other players go, oh, no, because they know as players, they're going to have to deal with whatever happens as well. It's your problem just, now, y'all. Oh, no. I just now have this image of Feruza, like, tucking her axe into her flippers. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the part. That's the part it's that so I'm, like, awesome. allowing, like, sort of fantasy to go, who swims with an axe? But I'm allowing that sort of storytelling thing that she has an she has her axe on her. Don't worry, it's not at all uncommon to swim with a knife in case you get caught on something. You're just more proficient in a different tool, and I'm sure you'll remember to use it when there's a threat, and uh, not just stick around and play with your friends. Oh, friend. my wetsuit is caught. Like <laughs> <laughs> this, do the water. Yeah, the water resistance. Yeah, uh, yeah. everything's Good fine for the workout. <laughs> Fine. it's totally fine mm -hmm. and we right. recently i think we re recently um leveled a little bit so there are things that happened that i've specifically for reasons not revealed so but yeah but yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> may yet hold we'll secrets we'll um see. but per colloquial that is not an axe is not just a weapon, but occasionally also a guitar. And we have a fellow, a man of pop culture, and he makes references, including musical references, that I 100% do not understand. But we have still more of them now, because I understand that Adam has brought us a little treat, a little bit more fan service to me personally, Sam DeLove, and a music video recap. Can you tell us a little bit about that, which we are about to enjoy? Yeah, so we had um, another one of these several episodes back uh, called Goodbye Normal that was um, yeah. trying to recap the story so far. And, um, you know, it's ostensibly a recap, but really you're probably not even going to understand it unless you've already watched the show. So, you know, <laughs> this is the way Silas thinks. Um, and so, uh, so that, that was done and uh, we've, uh, you know, chewed through a good bit more story now. And so Silas is just taking a moment, um, you know, when he's about to die and uh, you know, this is just kind of a glimpse into uh, his head. And so uh, put this together over the weekend uh, and uh, the only other thing I will say is uh, my son, uh, lots and lots of voices in this one. And so my son actually uh, helped record uh, some, some of the vocals oh. here, too. So uh, so this is, you know, uh, Luke Bradford, my son, that is uh, going to be doing some additional voices here. Oh, cool. well then, let's drop the sea bass. No, the bass, the bass. Let's, <laughs> let's drop the bass and uh, check out this recap. Bass. Ah, perfection itself. See, chat, that you might benefit from this glorious fan service that is rendered unto me. Adam, that's amazing. Unbelievable.
Oh, it was really good. And the songwriting, <laughs> the music, and the way you would com- like put the thing together. I mean, special effects. I was like, and then Fallen's journals, really well done. Oh, well the done. journals. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Fallen Angel. Uh, Cause that's, uh, it, it is fascinating to me every time I, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this silly thing. Can you, uh, you know, share journal entries? And uh, and they they send them and it is I, I'm just blown away every time I see it and um, this time um, <laughs> they uh, they got a little info out of me because um, like hey um, what what spell was it that Silas and I was like wow you're trying to Sherlock me a little bit here aren't you you know and uh, and I was like you know what you earned it. So, so yes, this is the answer to your question, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really epic. I love seeing the journal entries, a lot, a lot of fun to put, put them into these things and, uh, definitely love, uh, you know, showcasing what fans are doing out there because it's really epic. And frankly, I have no way to top that. So that's going to do it for us tonight. (laughs) So please y'all don't forget to tune in next week to watch our heroes hopefully extract themselves from this cliffhanger tide hanger tide hanger thank you for joining us please very quick uh tell us who you are and where we can find all of your great works and or get into adam's replies about how incredible that was uh (laughs) starting with alicia marie oh everybody can find me on socials at alicia marie body everywhere jen um, I'm Jen Kretschmer. You can find me on social says at DreamWisp. And Adam brings home. And I am Adam Bradford, and you can find me on Twitter at BadEyeAdam. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we're going off the air today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Erte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.